Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. I forgot to power on. Good morning. I, uh... I'm excited about sharing the word this morning. God has been um, challenging me this week. And you know, whenever he does that, I love to pass it right along. So if you would open up in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We are continuing in our our series that we're calling B, and uh, as you find the text, let me give a little bit of context. Paul is in the midst of gathering a collection for a group of believers in the Roman Empire that's experiencing a particularly harsh famine, and so he has written a letter to the believers in Corinth to ask them to make sure they are ready to follow through on their offer to give money to their brothers and sisters in another part of the empire that are having a very difficult time. And so um, he says, I'm confident that you're going to follow through in what you said you wanted to do. The intention was awesome. And let's make sure the execution is with it. And so This text that we are going to talk about this morning deals with this topic of generosity. And God is calling us to be generous. And so I want to read the text and then we'll dive right in uh, to where where God, I believe, is is nudging us to be more like him. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to begin with verse number 8. If you haven't, say, I got it. Hear the word of the Lord. And God is able to make all grace abound in you so that in all things at all times, having what you need, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seeds and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Bow with me, please. God, we are grateful and thankful to have a chance to worship, to sing praises, to remember that you have lavishly loved us as your children. Father, I pray that as we continue to examine our, our inner life, as you continue to call us to be remade in the image of your son, Jesus, Father, that all that is said and done here today 
brings glory to your name. Let us set aside our agendas and our thoughts and our plans and our worries and just bask in the radiant glow of your presence. For every person within the sound of my voice, send ministering angels to meet them in their places of need and in their places of pain and remind us that you are the God of all comfort and all peace and that you have us firmly in the palm of your hand. Remove the messenger as we hear your word that the gospel may reach your children with power and truth and authority and conviction and we may be changed for having encountered you today. I pray all these things trusting in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Say it again, amen. 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 I want to talk about generosity, and I want to first start by telling you to relax. Sometimes when you bring up generosity, you can just feel the tension rising in the room because people start thinking, he's going to want my money. I don't want your money. I think God might want you to consider your money, but more than that, I think I know that God wants our hearts more than he wants our money. And as a matter of fact, if our hearts are in the right place, the money will take care of itself. So I want us to talk about generosity, but I I want us to hear it a little bit differently than maybe we've heard it before in this text. Because honestly, this text is really not just about money. Money, I think more than anything else, is a revealer for our spiritual lives. Just like our time, just like our gifts, it shows where we are in this journey of faith and the degree to which we are surrendered and submitted to God. So this week, as we talk about generosity, I I want us to to dig into this text. But to be honest, I want to start somewhere else. I want to turn up the temperature a little bit. Let me ask a question. How many people have been a follower of Christ for more than six months? More than a year? More than five years? More than 10 years? Good. So I came across this scripture as I was looking at this topic of generosity, and it was sobering. And it was the one that God began to deal harshly with me this week. And so I want us to read it and let its truth kind of marinate in our spirit. It comes from the book of Hebrews chapter 5. It's on the screen, so you don't necessarily need to turn there. But let me read this for us. Hebrews 5 verses 12 through 14. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, 
who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, I don't know exactly how long this church in Corinth was in existence at the time that Paul is writing them this letter, but I'm relatively sure that it was probably 10 years or less. It's a new church with new believers who are just coming into a knowledge and understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's telling them, you should already be past where you are. You should be teaching, not sipping milk. And I thought about this. Kim, let me tell you something. There is nothing brand new that you are going to hear that you haven't heard before this morning. Is generosity a new topic for any of us? I mean, since kindergarten, we heard share your toys, play nice with others, be kind to those. This is the same topic that we keep coming back to over and over again, but sometimes we're kind of milk toasty with it. And God says, why do you keep struggling with this issue? You should be much further along than, than where you are. And I thought about this. Is generosity on my checklist? Do I have that one nailed down? Let's move on to the next topic. I got generosity. No problem with that one. I said, no, generosity is a tough one for me. And as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking about all the opportunities I had to be generous that I failed horribly. And I'm not talking about money. This is bigger than money. He's talking about the condition of our heart. How many times could I have been kinder, more patient, more willing to listen? Most of the people that you encountered this week that needed your generosity didn't need your money. They needed your love. They needed your care. They needed your patience. I told this story with the first service, this, this happened yesterday. I was, you know, I'm all, you know, holy, praying, preaching. I walk into the grocery store, had three items. Couldn't find one of them. So I said, hey, can you send somebody to help me find this? I can't find it. Great. Goes over to intercom. Uh, service, customer needs service, aisle six. Great. So I'm waiting. And I was probably waiting about 15 minutes. I had two items, maybe 10, probably closer to 15. I had two items waiting for the third, couldn't find it, and I'm ready to go. And so I look over, and the guy says, oh, sorry, it's taking too long. Calls again. Customer service, aisle six. A couple minutes goes by, nothing happens. So sorry. So sorry. Let me call again. Customer, they, and, and, and the girl got so fresh. She's like, I'm on the way. I'll be there in a minute. So I know that she's clearly busy, but I'm still waiting. And it wasn't the holiest moment I've ever had. <laughs> and so I'm standing with my hand on my hip, kind of tapping on the counter. I'm kind of waiting. And, and the, um, Another, here's how, here's how the devil works, right? So it's about 13 minutes into it, and somebody else walks by and says, man, you still waiting for them? They taking forever. 
Come on now. You just adding fuel to the fire, right? I'm ready. To, you're right. You're right. Why am I still here, right? I mean, I'm just ready. And, and, and a couple, my, you know, a minute after that, here comes this poor woman coming around the corner. How can I help you? It was probably just one of the stankiest faces I've ever had in my life. She's doing her job. She's working hard. She's clearly busy, got other stuff going. And I thought I've been following Jesus for a long time. I've been talking about him and preaching and teaching. And I can't find 15 minutes of generous patience. Wow. I don't have this generosity thing licked. And God is saying, it's been so long. Aren't you ready to get off the milk? I think generosity is one of those real barometers of our degree to which we are surrendering and letting the spirit of God lead us and guide us. So I, I, want us to, I want us to dig into this one. This one, has been, this one has been powerful for me this week. And so I was thinking about this scripture. I was thinking about how much generosity, my capacity to be generous with time and money and, and fruit of the spirit, all these good things that we say that we're trying to manifest. It, it's a good mirror in my face. And I want us to realize that generosity is critical to our ability to look and be like Jesus. What's the opposite of generosity? Stingy? Selfish? Arrogance? Good. Greedy? Good. I I want us to look into our text because as I thought about it, We have to master this issue of generosity. And so I thought, you know, I don't want to be on milk. I want to be on the meat. And so I came up with this acronym of meat that I think will give us four areas to master from our text that talks about us having a grasp on being generous. And remember, this B thing is about having the character, the condition, the quality that looks like God. And so I want to walk us through these because I think this is what's revealed in the scripture and it's critical. So let me jump right into it. The first one is M in meat, and that means mindset. We got to master our mindset. What does that mean? I got to think about generosity different than I'm probably used to doing it. And I realize, you know what our biggest problem is? What do you need to be generous? What do you need to be generous? Patience, time, money, love, forgiveness, thoughtfulness, stuff. You need some stuff. I can't be generous with anything that I don't have. If I don't have it, I can't possibly be generous with giving away, giving it away. So the main problem that we have is that we don't think we have enough to give away. We deal with this mentality of scarcity. 
Like I'm so close to running out. I'm so close to being on empty. I couldn't possibly be generous because I don't have enough stuff. But God argues directly against that point. Let me go back to our text. Verse number 10 of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Let's pause right there. Who, who, who's he? God. Who's the supplier? God. See, I thought I was the supplier. See, I, I was basing my ability to be generous, generous on what I had in my stockpile. But it says that God is the one who's giving the seed. God is the one who's providing the bread. So the, the capacity for generosity is based on his supply, not mine. And so when I think about it that way, does God's supply ever run out? He's got boundless resources. He's got boundless capacity. So my, pot, my potential for being generous has to be limited only by the true supplier, which means I have to get my mind right that I'm not the supplier. He is. What I do is I distribute what he supplies to me. <laughs> Amen. I don't have to create it. I don't have to muster it. I don't have to have a certain personality. I don't have to be wired that way. All I got to do is tap into the endless supply and I have the capacity to be generous in my life. Let's go on. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your storage of seed. He'll give you more. You know, you know why some of us have trouble being generous? Because we got all the doors sealed up on our vaults. I'm waiting to get more in, but I'm at maximum capacity, so I think, and I won't open the doors so that God could f- put, fill it to overflowing. And as a matter of fact, he says he would give me a bigger capacity if I would pour out the stuff that he's already given me. But I'm so busy holding on to the stuff I got. I'm so busy thinking that I'm scarce with my resources that I'm afraid and fearful about letting it go, not knowing that he would enlarge the harvest of my righteousness. He would expand my borders for our prayer of Jabez, folks. He would increase my reach and my supply. My supply would be bigger the more of his resources I give away. So I got to get out of this scarcity mindset. We tend to think that we're the victims, that we're always running on E. And I don't realize that I have been abundantly blessed by my God. That's the second part of this. I got to get a new mindset. I got to adopt an attitude of gratitude that I, I am so richly, lavishly, abundantly, amazingly, overflowingly blessed by my God that I got so I can give away. I got plenty to give away. I'm so filled with what he's given me that it's not a problem. And I don't run around thinking, if I give this one away, am I going to be gone? No, my God has supplies that I can't even dream of. And he's waiting for me to be open enough to let it flow through me so he can make my tank even bigger than it is. I got to get a new mindset. So I want to ask you, do you have a mindset for generosity? Do I, do I think, man, this is an opportunity for me just to be lavishly, abundantly generous? 
with all my stuff, my resources, my time, my money? Do I have the mindset looking that I don't have to deal with my possibilities from a scarcity perspective? That's huge for most of us. We're so busy looking at what we don't have, what our neighbor next door has that we're trying to get a hold of, what this fast-paced, very lucrative, very luxurious uh, Bay Area community tells us is the normal way of living. But I want you to know, if you are sitting in this place and you got a pair of shoes on, you are one of the richest people on the planet. See, we, we got we to gotta get, we got to think bigger than our own circumstance, than our own neighborhood, than maybe even our own family circles. There are so many people around the globe who are poverty stricken. We don't even really know what poverty feels like in this country. We're blessed just to be in an area where poverty actually has options in America. But we are so lavishly wealthy compared to 90% of the world that we got to get a picture for generosity outside of my own immediate context and realize that God has been so good to me. He's been so abundantly good to me and that he's looking for me to adapt that same mindset of lavishly loving on people so that somebody else might see him through me. E, expectations. If I can get the mindset, I I wonder what I'm expecting is going to happen. It's kind of like in our culture, I think I talked about this a little bit last week, that we start calculating the cost and the opportunity and the possibilities once we get in one of these situations. And we kind of start setting up a a, a framework by which if I'm going to get this back, then I will give this away. And if the cost looks like I'm going to come out losing or short, then I'm not going to give that away. And we do it all the time before we even think about it. I remember, take your average person on the street. You know, the guy standing there with the sign, we'll work for food or I just want a beer or whatever sign they got up. And you see them. And you start calculating. You know you do. Do they really need it? What are they going to do with it? How many other cars before me gave them something? You know you do it. I do it too. You're sitting there calculating the worth, the give and take of being generous in this situation. I remember one time I thought I was going to be lavish. I walked up. I I saw this guy. I'm driving by and... I uh, had some money in my uh, little coffee cup thing, coffee holder. And so I grabbed a one and then I said, you know what? I'm feeling, I'm feeling Jesus-like. So I put the one down and I grabbed the five. It's a big move, right? I grabbed the five. And so he comes by and I give him the five. He's like, thanks, and kept going. And I said, I know he didn't just grab my $5 bill. Shouldn't he be washing a windshield or giving me a high five or patting me on the back? I mean, I was just, I hooked him up. But 
that's not being generous. Because I'm expecting something to come back to me. When I give my relative some money just so they'll go away and stop talking to me for a little while, that's not generous. When I, when, when I take somebody out to eat, and I remember that I paid last time we went out to eat, that's not being generous. We got all these calculations that we're doing in the back of our mind, and God is saying, just let it go. Just, just, just be lavish. Just, 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 be, just be grateful for the blessings that I poured into your life, and, and just let them pour out. I'll give you more. I got to get my expectations that, that when I give something, God in heaven will see me with a heart that looks like his. He will be pleased with my act of obedience. And somewhere out there, in some form or fashion, somebody will be blessed because I showed the heart of Jesus. I might not see it. I might not get a thank you. They might not send me a note. I might not get a pat on the back, but that's not my motivation. I'm just trying to look like my daddy and let him be praised by my life. And so this expectation thing means that I think we can also, you know, the other thing I don't like, I don't like, I don't like that karma thing, you know, where I do something nice in the universe and I put some good juice vibes out there and some vibes are going to flow back to me. While I think that that's true, I don't think that's a biblical way to look at it. I'm not doing this on a transactional basis. I'm not waiting for some hookup down the road because I got a brownie point and God owes me now. I'm just living out the life that he's poured into me to say, I've been so good to you. I've been so kind. I've been so forgiving. I've been so loving. I've been so compassionate. I've been so patient. Can't you do it just because you love me? And that's what he's calling us to do, to to get rid of the expectations of getting something back for being the way that he called us to be. A. We got mindset, we got expectations. The next one is audience. Audience. I asked earlier what the opposite of generosity is. And I heard selfishness, I heard arrogance, I heard greed, and I think those are good words. But I read something on the internet. I came across this guy, his name is Chris Lima, and he, he, he said something that's pretty interesting. He said selfishness is not really the opposite of, gracious, uh, of generosity. Why? Because it's basically the same thing. When I am generous, I lavish grace, I lavish resources, I lavish expectations. I just do it to me. But it's the same activity. If I'm being selfish, I'm being generous to me. If I, if I wash over my mistakes and say it's not that big a deal, I'm still a good person, I'm being incredibly gracious to me. So the activity is correct. The audience is just wrong. So it's not really a problem with the activity. That's not really the opposite. He said the opposite of generosity is indifference. Because I see somebody else's situation, and if I'm perfectly honest, I just don't really care enough to be generous to them the way I am to myself. 
Now, I want that to sit in because to me, that's, that's big. Let me give you my favorite example. I mentioned it several times before. And, and every now and then the realization will hit me and it just it causes me just to be still. That I'll watch the evening news, watch, you know, some kind of update in the newspaper. And I'll see that somebody got killed. And it doesn't even register a blip in my mind. Somebody's son, daughter, parent, relative, loved one, mother, father died. That life is gone. And I'm so numb to it, it doesn't even bother me anymore. I hear about murders in Oakland. They say, well, we got 80 this year. I'm like, 80, not, not a bad number. What, 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 am I, what am I doing? I've been so desensitized. I, I've been so hard and I, I've got such a wall up and I realize it's hard to care and to be empathetic and to feel about all the brokenness and hurt. But that's exactly how God is. And when I, when I get numb, when I, when I become indifferent, when I become hard-hearted and things like death and pain and suffering don't even register to me anymore, what I'm really saying is I don't care enough about your pain to do anything about it or be generous about it. I, you know, I know that's a hard truth, but it is true. We become indifferent to people's hurt and pain. And suffering. And so I have no capacity to be generous. Matter of fact, I had another incredible revelation. This blew me away. I realized, as I said last week, that these things are all interrelated. And you know what hit me this week? I have no capacity to be generous if I have not developed a capacity to be merciful. (laughs) If I don't have an ability to, to, to enter into someone's pain. If I don't have a capacity to want to want to pray for blessings in spite of their mistakes, if I don't if I don't have a heart that wants to see them restored and rebuilt, no matter how many times they've blown it and done the thing wrong, if I don't have some ability to be merciful and to say, God, I pray that you would move and that you would restore and that you would heal, and God, I, I pray that I can be part of the solution. If I don't have any mercy, I got no reason to be generous. So the question is, do I have a heart that still breaks for the things that breaks God's heart? Or have I built a wall around my little island of possessions and those people don't bother me anymore? And when we do that, and I think the culture trains us to do that, to circle the wagons and dog eat dog and it's me and my own and, and, and don't worry about those. Get ahead and get along and go ahead and all that other stuff that we say is just about me and my little bubble. And God is trying to break that apart so that generosity from the master can flow through me. And he says, would you come stop sipping the milk? And get a hold of something that's deep inside of you and live it out without fear, without worry. There was a, a, great, a great point made by Dr. Martin Luther King in his very last sermon, the last one he gave before he got killed. He was talking about the, uh, the, um, the Good Samaritan, the parable that we know. 
And it's a really interesting take on it. It says, you know, there's three people to walk by. One was a pastor. One was probably a deacon. Literally. Pastor and a deacon. And they're walking down the road, and they see this guy. He's hurt. He's bleeding. He could be dying. He's, he, he's in a horrible way. And they're like, whoa, let me get away from him before he gets some blood on my shoes. He's all messed up. And they keep on going for whatever reasons. Maybe they were going to get hurt. Maybe they, wouldn't have, maybe they weren't safe trying to take care. Maybe it was a trick. They don't know exactly what the circumstances, but their decision was, I am not going to put myself out for this hurt person situation. And Dr. King made it quite clear. He said, so here's what happened with the good Samaritan. He asked a fundamentally different question. The first two people went by and said, for whatever reason, if I stop and help this guy, what's going to happen? Maybe I'll be late to where I'm going. Maybe people are waiting on me. Maybe I'm going to get hurt myself. If I stop and help this needy person, what's going to happen to me? Whereas the good Samaritan said, if I don't stop and help this person, what's going to happen to them? It's a fundamentally different question. And generosity demands an audience of someone who I I see that is in need. And I care about them. I empathize. I sympathize. My heart breaks because God has given me the ability to be part of the solution if I'm willing to let his love flow through me. Last one. Mindset, expectation, attitude, timing. There's something very powerful at the end of this scripture that I want us to wrestle with. He says, he will supply the seed. He will increase our store. He will enlarge the harvest of our righteousness. Verse number 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Did you hear what he just said? He's going to so fill you up. He's going to so fill me up that I can be generous on every occasion. Every occasion? Every occasion. And so that stopped to make me think, which one am I? Am I generous on every occasion or am I occasionally generous? And that's the one that got me this week. How many times did I have the opportunity to lavish patience, to lavish mercy, to lavish compassion, to lavish love, maybe even some money, maybe just some time, maybe just a listening ear. How many occasions did he give me to pour out generosity, to pour out mercy, to pour out grace and patience and love, but I was too busy and I didn't make the time to be generous on every occasion. I'm just going to let that one sit for a minute because I thought back on my week. I thought back on every day. I thought back on all the conversations I had with my wife and with my children and with my neighbors and with people in the store. And I thought about all the occasions he gave me to say, I've given you what you need to be generous in every one of those. And how many did I let go by? Because I had my sippy cup of milk in my hand. 
and I didn't really want any spiritual meat. Well, that's motivating, isn't it? (laughs) But we got to look in the mirror. We got to be honest. We got to, we got to, we got to be broken enough so that God can make us whole. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the people that know they're hurt and broken and fearful and selfish for the people who will allow me to be the head of their life, who will allow me to set the agenda, who will allow me to help them die so that I may live in them. Generosity is no joke. It's a revealer of where we are on the spiritual journey of faith. Have I submitted myself? Have I died to myself? Have I hungered enough for the spirit of God to take me off of my milk and allow me to feast on the meat of the spirit? So I want to give you this homework assignment this week. Be generous. Every day, at least one day this week, find an opportunity to be generous to someone. I promise you'll have plenty to choose from. Wake up in the morning and consider your mindset. When you bump into that person that's rubbing you the wrong way, that is frustrating to be around, that that you know you could say some things and put them back in their place. that maybe you make yourself vulnerable by not lashing out. That maybe you allow your heart to be broken for some things that you stop being broken about. That's what the meat of the journey of God looks like. To have a quality of heart, to have an identity that looks just like Jesus So just like he said in Corinthians, that through your generosity, your father in heaven may receive the glory. So as we come to this table of grace, and we think about the privilege of being called children of God, I want us to be mindful as as our hosts come and service the elements that he called us to remember who we are and who we've been called to be and that as we die to ourselves we give him permission to live more fully in us Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m., 
and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.